Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, a premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Tito, as we talk to you about college football, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 104. According to ESPN Stats and Information, Brees Hall is the fifth Power five player in the last 15 seasons to record 100 plus rushing yards and a rushing touchdown in the team's first six games of the season. He joins uh, the, the other four in that list. He joins uh, Bryce Love, Leonard Fournette, Kevin Coleman, Adrian Pete. Isn't that a fun fact? This man is world class running back. Those are all like NFL play on Sunday type names. And Adrian Peterson is a future Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Probably. Probably. But, yeah, that is a fun fact. Uh, Brees Hall has been good. Um, That's and I of the century. Yeah, probably so. I mean, through, through the first six games, Brees Hall has 901 yards on the ground and 11 touchdowns total. Uh, he's averaging 6.7 yards per carry and, has, and is averaging 150.2 yards per game so far this season and he also has three games with a hundred uh yards after contact after contact uh, over a hundred yards that is the most in college football so far this season according to pro football focus uh yeah he is a beast and to think he was only a three-star recruit coming out of wichita kansas glossed or other school bigger schools glossed over him iowa state found a gem in Brees hall matt campbell can recruit running backs well speaking of well yes he can recruit running backs but speaking of recruiting he just landed the top cornerback in colorado for the 2021 uh recruiting cycle as well so while the cyclones are winning on the field they are continuing to win in the recruiting field as well but we'll let mike talk a little bit about the trouncing that Iowa State brought KU this week. I mean, yes, we definitely did trounce KU. What was the final score? Like 55-22 or something? I don't even know what the final score was. But frankly, that's because I don't care what the final score is when you play um, KU. What did I say at the beginning of the year? Good teams Um, win, great teams cover. No, we said at the beginning of the year, I don't care – how many points you score against Kansas. I don't care how many points you beat Kansas by. I just care that you beat Kansas. You cannot take anything from a game against Kansas unless you lose. So, I mean, I don't take much from this game. We did cover um, with that last possession touchdown by Hunter Dirks, the backup quarterback came in. Uh, his name Hunter, right? Hunter Deckers. Deckers. Uh, and so, so Cyclone fans, I just want to uh, – like put a note on this. So he throws two passes when he comes into the game. The first one he rolls out. He's a lefty, by the way, if you didn't catch that, Uh, he rolls out to his left, fires a dart to Easton Dean, who is a former uh, quarterback recruit also out of Kansas. Uh, He has now switched over to tight end because he's like six, five or six, six. So matching Charlie Kohler's frame. And then on the next pass, he throws a, I thought it was a beautiful ball and it was a great catch in the end zone. Um, keep, keep your eye on Hunter Deckers going forward. Whatever Brock Purdy decides to do next year, uh, 
I think the Cyclones will be in good hands no matter what. Uh, Hunter Decker is, has, or has a ton of records in Iowa for um, a quarterback from high school. He was a, he was a great recruit. Yeah. I was reading that he might be the first left. He's like the first lefty quarterback that's thrown a pass for the Cyclones in like 30 years or something. It wouldn't surprise me. Anyway, that's just a random, random factoid. I haven't researched that. I just saw it on Twitter. So it may or may not be true. (laughs) Um, But yes. Well, and I mean, the thing that, is going to complicate this is remember even for even now that college football is happening this doesn't count as a year of eligibility for anybody right if brock Purdy comes back next year still a junior as far as eligibility is concerned right like this does, sam ellinger could come back for another year at texas he's going to play quarterback for texas till he's 40 but right that's the thing that complicates all this is this year he'd be He'd be like the George Niang or Perry Ellis of college basketball. Yeah. I got told I look like Sam Ellinger the other day. What do you guys think? Do I look like Sam Ellinger? No. He's, not even close. Sorry, sorry, Mike. He's got more impressive shoulders. Don't like my shoulders? He's he's pretty broad. You saying you're saying I wouldn't take couldn't take him in an arm wrestling match? No, I pay to watch that though. <laughs> I I would too. It would be very I have a feeling it would be very short. <laughs> yeah short pretty short and sweet yeah anyway what were we talking about before we got on this tangent with Brock Purdy and quarterbacks and uh well we were talking about Hunter Deckers but you were giving us a rundown of the game against Kansas in which you said you don't care about the outcome just beat Kansas uh, no I do care about the outcome. Well, you care about the outcome you don't care about how we win just correct. beat Kansas correct and we did um I mean, again, I won't take a ton away from this just because, like I said, it's Kansas and who knows. Um, the only thing I really want to talk about is special teams again. Um, the special teams, again, did not look good. Um, gave up a kick return touchdown to Kansas. Kansas is bad. Um, you should not be giving up kick return touchdowns. Um, Kyle is calling for the firing of our special teams coach, but I don't think we have we, a special yeah, teams coach. We don't have one. So I – a bunch of, I got, a, I received a few messages slash Snapchats of people saying, uh, we need to look at firing our special teams coach. And I'm like, well, we don't actually have one technically. It's technically overseen by a committee of coaches on the staff. So maybe it's time we hire one. If you can't fire somebody, hire somebody, right? In yeah. The theory. Well, I mean, technically, the firing would fall on Matt Campbell, and there's no chance that Iowa State ever fires Matt Campbell. Kyle, so. do you remember what you were hinting at after we lost to Louisiana? I hey, to clarify, to clarify, I wasn't saying Matt Campbell to fire Matt Campbell. I was just trying to bring up the question: Is Matt Campbell all that? With, it sounds so, like you're talking about firing him. So, he, no, well, okay. You can interpret that as you wish, but another, I, this is another example of a lot, Matt Campbell talks a lot about winning. I think he calls it between the margins, which is stuff like special teams, penalties. And we still see a lot of mistakes happening with this team in those areas. We talked about it last uh, week, Oklahoma State. Tons of penalties this week against Kansas. Special teams isn't great. Like, yeah. when is this team ever going to completely put it together? Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't, that is a good question. But, I mean, Matt Campbell already is tied for the Cyclone record for conference wins for a coach. So, I mean, he ain't going anywhere. Yeah. He's finding ways to win even if they're still making mistakes, right? I think that's a point. I think that's one of his points, right? You keep hearing him say that in press conferences. Like, after we beat Oklahoma, after we beat Oklahoma, he said, we didn't even play our best. Like, and that's been the theme is this team doesn't play their best. And sometimes they still find a way to win those games, right? So imagine how good this team can be if they do play their best. Well, that's, that is the frustrating thing is like, I want, so that, that is the frustrating thing. Like, I want to see how good this team is when they put it all together. Right. And I wish we would have done that against Oklahoma state in the biggest game of the season. But in all reality, too many penalties. The offense looked horrendous outside of Brees Hall and the offensive line creating some holes for him. But, I, yeah, I don't know. The, the offense looked better this week, and I think a lot of that was in part of – or in part to – well, Kansas was stacking the box against Brees Hall, obviously, but it's hard to stop – any other team, if you're Kansas, from allowing a hundred yard rusher, and uh, but there was a lot of swing passes early to Landon Acres out wide, or just swing passes or screens, getting Brees Hall to the outside, stretching that defense out, and I think we got Brock Purdy going early, which helped him feel comfortable in the game. I think that is something that the Cyclones offensively need to do at the beginning of the game. Brock Purdy generally looks better when he has completions early, early on in a game and gets into a rhythm. And I think that is a common occurrence that I have seen while watching Brock Purdy for three years now, probably. Yeah. But this team, despite everything that this team has done, we're in first place in the big 12, like first place in the big 12 standings. Because across the Big 12, there were some interesting results. First of all, uh, K-State just got absolutely mauled by West Virginia in Morgantown. That game was not close. Um, I didn't get to watch any of it. It was happening at the same time as the Cyclones game. But I was keeping it. So I I threw the game up for a little bit uh, on a second screen. And K-State just looked anemic on offense. And I've I've honestly been waiting for this to happen. Right. K-State loses their starting quarterback, Skylar Thompson, for the season. Uh, They bring out Will Howard uh, and he wasn't great at all. He had to throw the ball 37 times in this game. He was 19 of 37 for 184 yards. You throw the ball 37 times and you only get 184 yards. Something something's not happening. Right. He also had three interceptions on the day, uh, which wasn't great. Um, West Virginia had a strong ground game. Letty Brown is probably the third best running back in the big 12 behind Brees Hall, Chuba Hubbard um, in in no particular order right now. I'd say Brees Hall is first, obviously off of statistics, Um, but Chuba Hubbard has proven himself in the past, but yeah, I K state, how K state wins games is they don't turn the ball over and they don't make mistakes. They turned the ball over and they made tons of mistakes in this game against West Virginia and they get blown out. So looking forward, whenever K-State or Iowa State has to play K-State, you got to play a clean game in that that week. So we'll see what happens there. But it was helpful for West Virginia to pull off a victory there. 
uh, moves Iowa State into a tie, as Mike mentioned, with K-State for first place. And probably the game in the, of the Big 12 for the week. And it was, it was a, a, a heck of a game. Uh, Oklahoma State and Texas. Texas ends up beating Oklahoma State in overtime uh, as they hold uh, Spencer Sanders and that offense out of the end zone in Oklahoma State's first possession uh, after Texas scored in their first possession uh, in that overtime. So, yeah, that game is a prime example of what we were talking about earlier, and that's you can't make mistakes. I mean, Oklahoma State turned the ball over four times and had a fifth time where they got a roughing the punter penalty or roughing the kicker penalty on the punter. That's basically a turnover. Um, so, right, Texas did not look good in that ball game. Oklahoma State was the better team, except for the fact that they turned the ball over four times. And Texas scored, I think, on all of them. That game should not have been close. But Oklahoma State could not hold on to the ball, and that's what made it close. And eventually it cost them the win. And it probably cost the Big 12 a spot in the college football playoff. Yeah, for sure. I would say so, too. And Texas didn't deserve to win this game either when you look at penalties. They had 13 penalties for 142 yards. Yeah, I think Iowa State matches up really well against Texas when that game comes around. We'll talk about more, more about that later when that game comes around, but I think Iowa State matches up very well against Texas. Well, speaking of what's next up and what Iowa State should be focused on right now is a date with Baylor next weekend, next Saturday at 6 p.m. on FS1. Uh, I have not personally watched any um, Baylor games this season. So far, they are one in three on the season. Um, and after they just suffered a 10 point loss at home. Uh, to TCU. Charlie Brewer is still the quarterback of the Baylor Bears. Um, Iowa State has had some issues with him in the past. Uh, We will see what happens there. Um, I don't think this is a game that you can overlook just merely based on Baylor's record. Uh, Iowa State has always and Baylor have always played very close games uh, in recent memory. So this is just another game that the Cyclones have to that they have to win. It's a home game in the Big 12. Win your home games. I mean, yeah. So first of all, the two two things I want to look at. First of all, is Iowa State um, right now is a 13 and a half point favorite. So obviously Las Vegas thinks we're going to win this game big, but here's the thing I want to look at. Baylor rush yards allowed per game 177. Brees Hall should have a field day against this Baylor defense giving up 177 rush yards per game. Um, yeah, Breeze, you look for Brees Hall to have a really big day um, and look for um, Baylor to not be able to run the ball. I mean, their leading rusher only has 170 yards on the year. So I would look for um, Iowa State to dominate on the ground on both sides of the ball. Um, I, the only way I see Iowa State losing is if they turn the ball over a bunch or Charlie Brewer just goes off. Those yeah. are the only two ways I see Iowa State in this game. And I, I think the strength of the Iowa State defense right now is our secondary. Um, so I think this plays very well into uh, into a po- a potential win for the Cyclones this weekend. Uh, limit the run and 
make force Charlotte Brewer to throw the ball and maybe we'll get some more batted passes, some more Mike Rose interceptions uh, as Mike Rose has been playing phenomenal for this team so far this year. So look for, look for a good game, but let's not overlook Baylor as we um, look ahead into the schedule with a date for Kansas state after that yeah, with dude. a bye week in between actually. Do so. not do not overlook your opponents. If you overlook your opponents, you're gonna do what uh, the Green Bay Packers did this week. Uh, you overlook your opponent, looking ahead to a bigger matchup, and then all of a sudden you lose to the one in five Vikings, and everyone's very very upset about it. Um, yeah, so that's why you can't overlook Baylor this upcoming Saturday, because then you'll do the Packers thing. And yes, Vikings did beat the Packers. Dalvin Cook had a monster game. Uh, he had all four of the Vikings touchdowns in a 28 to 22 win. Um, he saved my fantasy bacon in one of my leagues. 50 fantasy points is pretty good. I've been told. So. Yeah, it's, it's not too shabby. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially when, so it's, is it a non PPR league? No, too? It's PPR. That oh, it's PPR. Well, okay. He only had two receptions though. So. Uh-huh. All of his yards came on the ground and with those touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the only reason I'm okay with this Vikings, win, I was all in on the Vikings tank this year. The only reason I'm okay with this win is because um, it was the Packers. Like if this was some anybody else, I'd be like, no, what are you doing? Why'd you win this game? But it was so fun to listen to the Packer fans whine about losing to a bad Vikings team that it was definitely worth Definitely worth yeah. Vikings. Still interested with the trade deadline coming up tomorrow if the Vikings are going to clear out any more players before then. But um, yeah, it was good to see the Vikings beat the Packers. I've heard I've heard rumors of like Kyle Rudolph and Eric Kendricks being some hot uh, hot item uh, players, possibly yeah. Anthony Harris as well. Anthony Harris, yeah. So uh, state or well, we'll just talk about uh some of the trades that actually have happened since mike has brought it up um one thing that we didn't touch on last week is the vikings did trade ngakwe uh the um defensive end that they traded for at the beginning of the season from jacksonville they shipped him off to baltimore uh got a levy of picks in return for that trade as the vikings continue to stock up on draft capital uh as they need to rebuild their defense uh, also around the NFL, Desmond King, the uh, all pro uh, corner, or I guess I should say pro bowl corner uh, for the Los Angeles Chargers was traded to the Tennessee Titans in exchange for a sixth round pick. Um, also, Kawan Alexander of the San Francisco 49ers was traded to the New Orleans Saints in return. They got a linebacker uh, and I believe a fifth round pick as well. Um so we'll, it'll be interesting to see the NFL trade di- deadline is officially tomorrow, November 3rd. So Tuesday, November 3rd. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what all happens and which players move and ends up just saying, ah, oh, we're good with what we have. Speaking of who is good with what they have, the Steelers are looking Very good. They are in the driver's seat in the AFC right now as they remain the only unbeaten team in the AFC and furthermore, the only unbeaten team in the NFL. Uh, They knock off the Baltimore Ravens uh, as they held the Ravens out of the end zone 
in the waning seconds of that game uh, as Baltimore drops to five and two on the season. And uh, they are looking for some answers as it will be tough for them now to win the AFC North unless they beat the Steelers on Thanksgiving evening matchup again. The Bears uh, get tripped up by the Saints and end up um, causing one of the most interesting uh, plays on the field of the week, maybe, uh, as a Bears wide receiver. If you haven't seen the video, go look it up. He runs uh, back like from the sideline back to the middle of the field and absolutely just throws two haymakers at the helmet of a Saints cornerback, which I am still bewildered. Why, why do players throw punches at helmets? Like you're going to break your hand or fingers. See, we figured it out last year. Don't throw punches at the helmet. Take the helmet and hit them. Mm. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Miles Miles Garrett is a watch that last year. Come on. Miles Ma- Garrett is a revolutionary in the NFL for how to try and end a fight or end a man's life on a football field. Yeah. Honestly. Do not punch people in the helmet. It does not work. Well, it also happened in college too. Did you see the uh Florida Gators going after the Missouri Tigers? I did see that. Yes, there's the brawl there too. I, I feel like we're coming on in addition to our list of things football players shouldn't do. Like, I feel like this needs to get added. Like uh, if something. it had, like if it hasn't really, been already, yeah, don't we have sure that on there? Have. I'll, uh, I'll check and get back to you. Yeah. Check. Cause right. Otherwise I feel like something along the lines of don't punch somebody's helmet or don't punch somebody who's wearing a helmet. Needs to well, go so the, the thing that was interesting about this bears incident was the, wide receiver comes up and he kind of like almost it looked like he almost uppercut cut him to try and get his attention he turns his head and he just gets sucker punched in the side of the helmet the cornerback like is stunned a little bit to the point of did he really just do that and then he throws a second one and then a brawl ensues after that there aren't going to be too many teammates who are just like hey you can punch this guy in the head uh yeah, unless you're the Cowboys. Lock. So the two uh, things on our list, things football players shouldn't do that come to mind are thing number 16, which is punch the cop who tells you to pay your cab fare. That's not here. That's not here. We also have 29, which is don't punch your pregnant girlfriend, which doesn't apply no. here either. However, I I would uh, say that this might this might uh, be in there. This is Miles Garrett, of course. And the thing is thing number. Let's see. Thing number 27, and it's don't use a weapon on the football field. And here we defined a weapon as the helmet that was used to hit Mason Rudolph. I think you can make an argument that the weapon in this case are the fists. Uh, no. I, I don't know. It needs, it needs to be an addition. I think Does it's it? an addition specifically because it's specifically about the punching the helmet part of it, right? Yeah. The stupid part is, the hel- is punching the helmet, right? You're going to cause more harm to yourself than your opponent. I think we needed an addition. Well, so the the fight that comes to mind of where they don't actually use helmets or they rip each other's helmets off was Andre. Was it Andre Johnson for the um, Texans? And then the Tennessee Titans were playing. Forget who the cornerback was in that situation. They both rip each other's helmets off and then start throwing haymakers at each other then. 
Like, that's if okay. you really want, like, that's more efficient, right? Yeah. If you're going to get into a fight, get into a fight. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't punch the other guy's helmet. Yeah. That's not a fight. I would not put, see, I would not put that on the list of things football players shouldn't do. But if we want to put, well, what is something we want to put on it then? Just don't punch another player's helmet? Don't punch somebody who's wearing a helmet. Yeah. Like it. You're going to break your hand. All right, we'll add that as thing number 34. Specify football helmet. Mm. Wearing a football helmet. Right, because if I'm like wearing a bike helmet, you still got most of my face that you could punch and you'd be okay. What about a motorcycle helmet? Because if you look on like the YouTubes, there are videos of people road raging against motorcycles and trying to get into fights with them and they start punching their helmet. And it's hilarious because then they break their hand. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay with making that football helmet. So we'll add thing number 34 to our list of things football players shouldn't do, which reads, don't punch someone wearing a football helmet. Yeah, I like it. Sounds good to me. And so we're rolling on, and uh, we're going to continue talking about the NFL and the fact that the Patriots are dead. Uh, Without Tom Brady, they – I guess Tom Brady was the glue that held that offense together because Cam Newton has looked atrocious since coming back from getting COVID. Uh, no touchdown passes, three fumbles. Um, and he's been a disaster at quarterback. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they move on from him uh, this this year uh, and like replace him with either, uh, I forget, or Brian Hoyer or Jarrett Stidham. See if that can make a change. But, yeah, the Patriots are in third place in that division uh, merely because the Jets stink. Uh, and the Bills are on top, I believe, with a 4-2 and two record. And the Miami Dolphins are in hot pursuit with a 4-3 and three record as Tua, uh, even though he didn't have good stats, got his first career NFL win as the defense and special teams trounced the Los Angeles Rams the Seahawks continue to roll on. Russell Wilson continues to cook their motto out there this year. Let Russ cook. And he he's cooking. And DK Metcalf is a athlete. Uh, it doesn't matter. Last week, it was Tyler Lockett with 200 receiving yards. This, this week, it was DK Metcalf with over 150 yards. They have two studs in their wide receiving core. And Russell Wilson is one of the best deep ball throwers, if not the best deep ball thrower uh in the past 10, 15 NFL, uh, the 49ers might as well just pack it in. Um, their entire roster is basically in wheelchairs right now. Uh, they lose Jimmy G indefinitely and George Kittle for po- uh, possibly up to eight weeks, uh, which for right now is pretty much the room. Um, they, he could be back. Both could be back in six weeks, but there is a uh, little optimism on the Kittle injury. The Chiefs ground the Jets uh, this weekend as they hold the Jets to three field goals. They end up blocking another field goal attempt. Uh, Patrick Mahomes throws for five touchdowns on the day, uh, over 400 yards. This was somewhat expected as awful. I I mean, they looked JV out there um, compared to. So you have the top and the bottom of the AFC. That's what you. One of my surprising uh surprise or a surprise to me in this week I don't know if it was for anyone else was that the Cincinnati Bengals obviously led by Joe Burrow uh beat the Tennessee Titans uh this week 
which was something that I did not expect uh, going into the week. Tennessee spent a ton of money on their defensive line so far this season in Jadavion Clowney. And uh, I'm blanking on the other guy that they paid big in free agency, but combined those two players have zero sacks so far in the season. The defensive line is not being disruptive uh, and getting to the cornerback and Tennessee has had some struggles against, well, they had struggles against a top tier team in the AFC in Pittsburgh. And now they lost to one of the bottom teams in the AFC in Cincinnati. Although with Joe Burrow now, Cincinnati might have uh, figured it out with their quarterback of the future. And the AFC North is going to be good for a while between Pittsburgh with possibly the best defense in the NFL, if not the best defense in the NFL, Baltimore with, their defense and Lamar Jackson and now Cincinnati building around a stud in uh, Joe Burrow as we possibly see. So keep looking forward to that and some, some really heated competitions in the AFC North in the future. So this week on Mike's stupid rules, we're going to talk about um, the difference between um, two penalties um, two pre-snap penalties that you could see um, on the offense. We're going to talk about the difference between a false start and illegal motion as it um, happens. So this uh, Kyle brought this up. It happened in the Chiefs game where wide receiver got called for a false start. Um, Correction, running back. Running back, sorry. Yeah. Got called for a false start um, as opposed to illegal motion. So the rules we're looking at here are um, section four, article two um, is what defines false start. And then section four, article, um, where did that go? Section four, article eight um, is what describes illegal motion. So a false, so illegal motion is probably the one that people um, know less. So we're going to go with that one first. So illegal motion, um, when the ball is snapped, one player who is lined up in the backfield may be in motion as long as he is moving parallel to or away from the line of scrimmage. No player is permitted to be moving forwards toward the line of scrimmage when the ball is snapped. All other players must be stationary. Um, so only one player can be moving at the snap. Um, and if an eligible receiver is moving from one position to another um, on the line, they must come to a complete stop prior to the snap. So that's only an eligible receiver on the offensive line, like a tight end. Um, whereas a false start um, is going to be defined. Um, the one we're looking at here, um, if an offensive player who is in motion makes a sudden movement toward the line of scrimmage, um, it is a false start, right? So a player can be moving forward during motion right? As long as they stop before the snap. Um, and as long as it is not a quick and deliberate motion forward, quick and deliberate is the move there, right? It's like a flinch forward or something like that is going to be called a false start, right? Because it could be the receiver, you know, like trying to go, like trying to draw somebody off sides, trying to go. Um, whereas illegal motion just pertains to the motion somebody is making, um, at the snap, it has to be in a parallel or backwards direction. So in the Chiefs game, it was a false start because it was not um, motion at the snap. It was after he made his motion, he made a quick move, quick and deliberate move forward. 
qualifying as a false start in that instance. So that why that's why it was a false start instead of illegal motion, even though it um, um, sort of look could looked like it could have been an illegal motion because it was part of a. Sh- so I have two things to uh, two discussion points that what you said came to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two big big differences between a false start and either an illegal motion or legal shift, uh, as it's usually called. Um, one's a dead ball foul and the other one's a live ball foul. So you'll notice when false starts happen, right? The play is blown dead. That's actually a dead ball foul that happens prior to the, so the play is blown dead and it's, you know, the, the penalty and a repeat of downs. Um, whereas an illegal shift is a live ball foul. The play will continue and the penalty will be assessed at the end of the play. Uh, so that, that's a huge difference between those two calls, right? It's the same amount of yardage that, that you're penalized for, I think. I guess the NFL is different. It's 10 yard. It's still five for both of those? It is five for, yes, both okay. illegal motion and false start. And illegal shift, which is its own penalty, is five yards. Yeah, I find that interesting, too, because in the uh, in high school and college, that's actually both called illegal shift. I don't think there was actually a call for illegal. another interesting tidbit. But those are both still live ball fouls. Which is, mm-hmm. And number two, when you say uh, that a false start happens with a quick and deliberate motion, we're not talking deliberate as in the guy in his head's like, oh, I'm going to do a little wiggle here to draw them, you know, or, or do something. Cause obviously a false start is almost never deliberate. It's an action that uh, I don't know. How, how do you even define that? I guess is what I wanted to bring up. Yeah, as, I guess as, the rule the say is a sudden movement is the yeah. official definition of the rule, a sudden movement toward the line yeah. of scrimmage. Yeah. The, the, the deliberate portion of quick and deliberate leads you to believe that the ref has to get inside the player's mind, you know, <laughs> to, to make that call. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That is that is the difference between false start and um, and um, illegal motion. And just because we're talking about it, basically illegal shift, as far as the NFL rule is concerned, has to do with the number of players that can be in motion at a given time and the requirements for them being set at a given time. So in NFL rules, you can have up to two players in motion at a given time. If you have two players in motion at a given time, both of them have to be set for at least one second before the snap. Um, whereas if you only have one player in motion, as we talked about before, they can still be in motion at the snap. But if that first player, if one of those players went in motion with another player, even if that first one stops, the second one also would have to stop before the snap or it is an illegal shift. If someone is gonna be in motion at the snap, nobody else could have been in motion when they started or at any point during their motion. Otherwise you're going to get called for an illegal shift. There you go. There's the difference between false start, illegal motion and illegal shift in the NFL rule. All five yard penalties. So like Wyatt said, the only big difference is whether it's live ball or dead ball. I mean, if it's live ball, basically all that means is the defense could do something worse to the offense than a five yard penalty. And then they could decline the penalty and let that happen instead. Um, was with the dead ball penalty. There you go. Now you know about the difference between those three penalties. Um, apparently what uh, we don't know much about is how to make good predictions because in the accountability session of our write that down prediction segment this week, all we have uh, is wrong prediction. Oh, no, we do have one. No, right. we have one right one. You have one right prediction and two wrong prediction. So maybe we are better at prediction. Um, anyway, our predictions coming off the board this week i had a prediction that the rays would win the world series we didn't even talk about the world series the dodgers ended up winning the world oh, series in six I, games. 
I completely forgot that still happened. Like th- this week felt so long. I forgot that happened on like Mon- what was that Monday or Tuesday? Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Six was on Tuesday and the 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 Dodgers did win it. Um what was the final score? 3 to 1. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 3. 3 to 1. Final very score. very controversial polling of Blake oh. Snell in yeah, the 6th inning. Um right? That was bad. That was that was your that was your analytics versus yeah old feel or or versus gut feeling baseball right my gut feeling was leave him in oh, yeah. and apparently Every, everyone's gut feeling is leave him in mm-hmm. well and so here's here's what I was surprised about okay so Mookie Betts was up to bat uh, statistically this year Mookie Betts has been uh, atrocious against left-handers Blake Snell is a left-hander. They go to the bullpen and bring in a right-hander. And, yeah, I think you, my opinion, gut feeling, you leave in your star pitcher who is, who all he has given up all night is two two hits, right? Just two hits. You don't go to the bullpen at that point. I, I didn't understand it. I, I don't even know why the analytics said that they don't understand it unless it was based upon uh Blake Snell's numbers uh or on base percentage go way up third time through the order which that was the third time facing Mookie Betts in the game I don't know I didn't understand it and they ended up paying yeah I mean I get that you can't pull him there but if you're an analytics team like the ways are you do what the analytics say right the way he's got there by trusting the analytics and you can argue that analytics don't win one game and you might be right but if the analytics say, if you do this, you have X percent chance of winning. And if you do this, you have Y percent chance of winning. You should do the, whichever of X or Y is greater. If you're an analytics team, that's what you do. So I don't, I don't fault them. I think it was the wrong decision. But if you're an analytics team, you made the decision you make. So, and Kevin Cash has to deal with that. But that well, was the decision. I mean, it just goes to show that they, they – said that they were an analytics team and they wrote it into the ground, right? I mean, props to them for sticking with it, I guess. But I think in that position, I I mean, we can always backseat manage or couch manage better than any manager out there, right? Or we think we can. So it's so, like, I think that's what is hard to understand is it's hard to put yourself in that position when you're trying to think of a ton of things all in the span of, like, no, what what do they have 90 seconds in between a batter or like two minutes not even two minutes 90 seconds maybe in between batters so decisions come fast yep that's the way it goes but the world series is decided for the dodgers first one in a long time for the dodgers so good for 30 them. 30 years 30 years something like that 88 i think was the last time they won it something like that yeah anyway Back to our previous content. We were in the middle of our accountability session before we took a U-turn into or a left turn into uh, baseball there. The Rays did not win the World Series, as I predicted. So, nah. Nah. Um, Josh predicted that no active Packer would get COVID this year. It was announced today that A.J. Dillon, Packers running back, tested positive for COVID. Um, so, Josh gets a nah. Nah. Um, and Wyatt predicted there would be no more steals of home during the World Series, which I don't even know why we let him make that prediction, <laughs> but we did. So for that, he gets a ding, 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 ding. 
Yeah, it was a stupid prediction. Yeah, we should not I, I know. that prediction. Hey, I need those points, man. I need it. Was that your first right prediction this season? No, nah, it was your no. fourth right prediction this season. Yeah, that's still really bad. Especially because pretty much everything up on the board I see for you is probably going to be Yep. Stunned. Not what I'm going to put up today, but we'll get that in a minute because Kyle's got to go first. Yeah, so as Wyatt said, my prediction going up this week is that ISU – is going to win the Big 12. I, I'm feeling good. I like this prediction. The 12. They're going to win the Big 12 regular season championship. Um, or like they're going to finish finish in first in the in the Big 12. How are we breaking ties according to the Big 12 official According tie- according yeah. to Big 12 tiebreakers. Sounds good. We'll use the Big 12 official tiebreaking procedure. I'm I mean it's going to be first head to head, so Yes. But what if it's a three-way tie then the things get more complicated? That is true. Right. What if Iowa State beats Kansas State, Kansas State beats Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State already beat Iowa State, and we all end up with two conference losses? Uh, I think uh, I actually looked at this. Then it goes to – I think it's uh, points. No, I think I think it's going to go to who play – who has the best record against then whoever finishes fourth is I think what's going to happen. Oh, I don't okay. know. We'll uh, that up later. Yeah, we'll re- we'll we'll look this up later on in the season if it gets there, or maybe we'll just make it a segment next week. So, anyway, um, why what are we giving him for this? I mean, it's probably a triple, right? Like I, it's not, it ain't cray. Yeah, I was thinking double or triple. Yeah, I would err on the side of triple just because I mean we know how these types of predictions go. You can't really predict that. We've got to see what you know what happens versus Baylor. Yeah. And then well, where do we play at? We have we have four four games left, right? Three of them are at home. That's a pretty good. Yep. The, the road game is at Texas. Yeah, okay. Baylor, K-State, and West Virginia. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I would go for a triple on this one. I wouldn't say this All is right. a double. We'll go with triple. Triple it is. My prediction, um, for those of you who have not been following Big Ten football, uh, the University of Iowa is uh, 0-2 with two losses to Purdue and uh, Northwestern. So not like they lost to Ohio State and Wisconsin here. Um, They lost to Purdue and Northwestern. So what I am predicting is that Iowa will not win a football game. They will go, oh, and however many games they end up playing. So their remaining schedule, Michigan State at Minnesota, at Penn State, Nebraska at Illinois, Wisconsin. I mean, that Nebraska game's got to be a gimme. I mean, Minnesota is also bad. I You're right, but at it, it a bare minimum, that Nebraska game's got to be a, a win. I, I'll give you a home run for this because they're going to win something. Also, Illinois is not good. Also, there is a, don't forget there is a ninth week to the Big Ten season where you play the corresponding team in your division, right? So like if Iowa finishes last oh. in the division, they'll play the last team in the East in that last week of the season. So that's a good opportunity for a win, too, if they do happen to be 0-8. Yeah. As much as I want to see this to happen, it's got to be a home run. Yeah. There's, there's, no way, there, there's no way that Iowa is Kansas. I mean. <laughs> but for right now, they are. States are like far from each other. Yeah, you're right. All right, I'll give you a home run for that. I'm going to say, I make this prediction every year, that Iowa State, well, not every year, but every year since we made our predictions, the Iowa State will go to a bowl geographically south of Memphis. So any bowl game except for Memphis. Yep. Um, let's see. I'm trying to see if there are, are 
any ball games that are geographically north of Memphis. So far, is Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, north of Memphis, Tennessee? No, there is no way. I mean, it might be. Let's look here. No, no, no. So, Myrtle Beach is 33.6891 degrees north, and Memphis. No, there's no way. Memphis is 35.14, so it is further north than Myrtle Beach. Wait, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Okay, so there is the military bowls in Annapolis, Maryland, but a Big 12 team cannot play in that. Um, the pinstripe bowl is in New York. There's a chance that a Big 12 team plays in that. There's an at-large spot, but usually that ends up as a Big 10 team. Um, is Charlotte, North Carolina, north of Memphis, Tennessee? Maybe. Is Nashville north of Memphis? Yes. So the Music City Bowl, again, has an at-large spot, but that normally goes to the Big Ten. None of, none of our listeners can see what I'm actually motioning on screen. I am, I am motioning that I am laying down a bunt here. I wouldn't yeah. say it's a bunt. We do have a chance of going to the Liberty Bowl. I mean, yeah. I mean, either way, this is a single. I mean, yeah, this is, it's I, a yeah. single. Possibilities. I want just a straight single. Just so. That's all I want. I think this is a single. Get me to first. All right, what do we got from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Yep, he's doing good. His computer isn't alive, but yeah. he Actually, he just fixed his laptop. I yeah, got his computer yeah. is alive. Yeah, it is now alive. It was he resurrected dead. it. So he and his computer are doing quite well. Good for him. So what- um, his prediction is that, um, and for the record, he made this before Sunday's Vikings-Packers game, um, that Kirk Cousins will be benched at some point this year, as Josh has put it. I mean, probably not anymore. I mean, he didn't have right. a – he didn't play but no. poorly, but he didn't play good. He didn't no, but the ball it, more than 10 yards down the field at all. This I mean, season. it was something, though. It was a performance that wasn't necessarily negative. Yeah. If the Vikings had a legit backup, I would say this is possible, but I don't think it's likely. I think this is triple. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the triple. And he, you've paid him all that money. I mm-hmm. think you got to – put him out on until he gets in all right so with two triples a single and a home run we are concluding our write that down prediction segment which means we're at the end of the episode thank you so much for listening to episode 104 of the 8311 cast be sure to check out our instagram where we post awesome insta pics at 8311 cast thanks thanks for being here thanks for tuning in next week like i know you're going to do for episode 105 but in the meantime signing off for 8311 cast we have your hosts kyle mersh Mike Ludwig. And Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. No heaters for the Bears. Suck it.